if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about a soup. So a soup is not a dish, is a, a specific term that we are using in software, uh, which is a software of unknown provenance. Um, so mainly uh, we are trying to explain to you this because uh, we had a lot of questions about uh, soup within medical devices. Uh, so uh, for that, I have with me Christian Keisner from Medical Device HQ. So uh, welcome, Christian, to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks for having me on, on the podcast. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Christian. And Christian was also with us on the LinkedIn Live uh, previously also. So if you want to look at that, go to the YouTube channel. And uh, so today, mainly we want to talk about soup because Christian is really also a specialist on uh, software as medical devices or software uh, legislations. Um, so Christian, before we talk about that, can you just make a small introduction of yourself? Yes, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So my name is Christian Kessner. I live in Sweden, so that's my Swingish. So I'm a former software developer. I've been in the medical device field for around 25 years now. Uh, and as I said, I started as an engineer. I got annoyed about all quality and regulatory people asking about documentation. I thought I need to understand more. So I have developed an interest in quality and regulatory, still having a good, well, one leg or one foot in R&D and one nowadays in QA and RA. Uh, my interest pushed me to participate in authoring the standards IEC 62304 and IEC 82304-1. So I have some good insights um, and know hopefully what I'm talking about. So that's me in a nutshell. Today right. I, I provide trainings through Medical Device HQ. So that's what I spend most of my time uh, with nowadays. Great. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about Medical Device HQ at the end of the episode, uh, because it's really a good source of, of information also for, for you. Um, but first, yeah, let's go, let's deep dive a bit on, on the topic of today. So uh, as we said, the topic of today is a soup. Um, so for maybe some medical device um, companies that are developing software and that, uh, or even devices, hardware devices that are using some software, um, and they are arriving to uh, maybe the IEC 6204 or other mm -hmm. legislation, and they talk about soup. Uh, can we make a small summary of what is soup and why the, those people should be really understanding this before they can move forward on the regulation for, for medical devices? Yeah. So, so try to make it as simple as possible. Usually when you develop software, you have a development team writing code. That's the part you develop yourself. And then you might end up in a situation where you find, let's say, an open source software or a library provided by a ship vendor or something like that, which you decide to put into your product. 
That means so soup software is a piece of software you, well, as a rule of thumb, ha haven't developed yourself, but you would like to integrate it and make it part of your medical device software product. So I would say whatever software pieces you put into a software release, which you haven't developed yourself, that's a soup software. And even the one that you are uh, downloading from uh, any source, so you, when you go now on internet, you can download a lot of uh, software and say, oh, this can be great, this can be good. So I suppose, yeah, maybe the term is software of unknown provenance, but yeah. here you know where it's coming from sometimes. So is it is it also included inside all this? Well, when you know where it's coming from, that's that's perfectly fine. But you, you hopefully know where you download it from. <laughs> you know the source of it, but unknown provenance should perhaps be more connected to you haven't developed it yourself. So you have no development history. You have no knowledge about how it was developed. So that's the unknown provenance part. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I was part of some um, medical devices that uh, are using some software like, uh, you know, uh, those OS um, uh, operating system or those yeah. um, systems uh, that you are using inside, but it's not the, the it's not your software, it's something coming from um, outside. And then you are creating your software above it, if I can say. So um, yeah. those things are kind of common in those kind of, of, of devices, even in um medical I mean, in medical devices where you are having a software inside so are those also those os like maybe when we talk about um um microsoft which is the uh, windows which is the os for for the system or we are talking about apple which is the ios exactly etc so you have the ios and you have above it your application or your uh your work so is this ios or this os also considered as a soup Oh, that's a tricky question. I would say it depends. Okay. Uh, put it this way. I, I, I distinguish between, well, again, let's try to simplify things. Yeah. So as a rule of thumb, if you release a software, so all, all the software components in that release is something you control. And if the operating system is inside a box, then, it's a, then it would become a soup. But if it's outside a box, I would consider that being called, let's say, an operating environment. So some, some supporting software, which the software is operating on top of. So in some cases, if you have, let's say, have a let's say, time critical product, you typically include operating system because you really need to be in control of how it's configured and how it's running. But in most cases, the operating system, let's say if you have an app, you're not including the mobile phone software or the iOS or, or Android, you're not including those as, as soup items. You just say you need a specific version of that. And then you validate your software software during your, your release testing on top of these operating systems. So in those cases where it's outside of release, I wouldn't consider those as soup. And I would call them more like operating environment or enabling software or any terms like that so when when you have then um built your software and you are using those scripts or codes that you are getting from um other sources um so i suppose um in terms of development it's working but in terms of documentation where you have to write some documents about how you have what, what is exactly the content the bill of material of your uh, software all the elements that are inside etc 
you have at a certain point to write, if I can say some documents, pair some standards like the IEC 62304. So what is the requirements in terms of soup, for example, for the, this standard? What developers that maybe have no clue about this or the legislation, mm -hmm. what exactly they should consider when they are including this um, small code uh, on it? Is it more difficult for them uh, to then validate their software or is it easier because I don't know. So is this is this something that um, yeah, can make their life more difficult? Uh, short answer is yes, it can be more difficult. <laughs> and, and this is because you don't know where this piece of software is coming from. So depending on, on the legacy of that software or how many others are using it, combined with the criticality of the software you're using, that could drive you to a position where you need to spend quite a lot of time and effort to prove that piece of software is working as you, you want it to. And at some point, you can perhaps ask yourself, do we gain something compared to developing this software ourselves? I think that's perhaps the most important question. You should ask yourself, what benefits do we gain by using this piece of software already written compared to writing it ourselves? And it's it's not not always easy to answer that. And I think here I would like to stress the difference between OTS, uh, off-the-shelf software used in FDA guidances, because they are more strict. They even require in the guidance documents that you should justify what's the benefit of using an open source software or soup component compared to writing it yourself. And that's not that specific in IC6234, but it's kind of underlying there anyway, because you need to define requirements, you need to do risk assessment, uh, you need to integrate it into your software. So all this work is still there, even though someone else has written the code. So when you say all, all, all this is, is there, you have, so when you are creating your own code, you have to do this, this phase, if I can say the validation of and uh, verification of, of your of your product. So mm. um, are you um, obliged also to do a verification validation for this soup means that you are um, putting that inside as a, also on the test and say you have to test this and verify if it's working like you are expecting, etc. So you are exactly doing the same as what you are doing with your software, I suppose. The, the, the only thing you basically don't need to do or need can do is looking at the detail design because you don't have the detail design. But otherwise, if we leave class A software side, B and C, you should write or shall write requirements for your soup software. So what, what functional and performance requirements do you expect from this soup? That's something you should define. And when you define those requirements, you're also committed to verify them. So that you have to do the requirement verification stuff anyway. And there are also additional requirements that what requirements does the soup software has on you because some soup software perhaps needs specific hardware to operate properly or they might need to have other software dependencies so the, the requirement goes both ways so the soup software could put a requirement on your product and your product should define requirement on the soup so i i had i had a, a case where um, we have identified a, a, a program that was um, good, if I can say, and uh, that we can use. Um, and on the website of this uh, company that was creating that, 
um, it was, I think it was Microsoft, if I remember, but I, I can't remember now. Okay. Um, it was saying um, uh, this is IEC 62304 certified. Uh, so this is good, etc. So for us, it was like, oh, great, it's IEC 62304 certified. Yeah. So <laughs> then this software is good, if I can say so. Does it mean that, or it means it means nothing it, at all? It, I was close to say it means means nothing at all, <laughs> but that sounds perhaps a little bit too too rude. <laughs> but but IC six two three four starts with let's say system requirements. So what are the system requirements specific to your product? So if you have a generic piece of software developed following a process, that's fine. But the input, which is then mainly requirement, and also has some situations related to your product, it's not part of the soup development, right? So then follow the process, but the key inputs, and obviously even perhaps the most important is then has to the situation. If we just leave the requirements aside for a moment, and it's IEC 62304 is a safety standard. And if you don't know the risk aspects when you develop the software, how, how does it make sense to claim it's IC62304 compliant? Because they don't know in what context their piece of software will be used. Exactly. Follow my layer. So that's why I'm saying, well, it doesn't help. It's nice, but it doesn't really help all the way, right? Hey, just a second. Do you need an EU, Swiss, or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. Exactly. And and I had the, the comparison to, uh, I have some companies that are also saying that to me, they are they are um, having a product. I mean, they are targeting maybe to... to uh, to um, to have a product which is um, which where, where the company is ISO thirteen four eight five and they say to me oh I will buy these products and I put my name on it like OBL OEM activity and then I will sell it yeah. but don't worry the company is ISO thirteen four eight five I say yeah the company is ISO thirteen four eight five but you are you ISO thirteen four eight five it's mainly also the thing <laughs> that you you have you are the one that plays the device on the market you are the one that markets you are the one that claims that it's good etc mm -hmm. so you should be the one that is also iso 13485 uh, you should not look at the others because they are maybe manufacturing it in a certain way you are you have sell, you are selling that in another way so you have also to be uh, like that so i suppose the yeah. same for software this company is claiming iec6204 for their system also their requirements yeah. their things but as soon as it comes to us, we have different requirements or different way to use it. So then we have to test it per our requirements and, and do that. But it's it's yeah. it's what it was my conclusion also when we have uh, we have uh, reviewed reviewed that. Yeah. Um, but, but just just a comment on 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 the well, let's say a software supplier claiming that compliant six two three four. Hopefully they know and understand the language. So you could approach them and say, could you please share your risk management file? So. And if, if they can that, then you can hook into that. It's, if, it will, of course, make your starting, well, your start working with that piece of software easier because you can see and, and verify what I've already done. And perhaps you can even leverage what I have done if they provide this documentation. But if they don't provide any documentation, I don't see any benefit of them claiming that they are 6234 compliant. So I, I, I think it's a good point here. So mainly, um... If I see that this company is IEC 6204, 
it's a, maybe it can be an advantage to contact the, the developers or the yeah. people because they have apparently the documentation so they can, this can help you. I'm not sure they, I'm not sure if they will give that to you. Um, this is maybe the, the other thing. But if you can get that, it's really an advantage for you. you I suppose you have a lot of things that you can avoid to do then if you, you can get that. If you can get the package, absolutely. <clears throat> because then you can leverage that package, hopefully. Uh, if they don't deliver the documentation, uh, then at least I think they could have, they could share what has to the situation. Have they considered in their software risk management? Then they perhaps don't need to reveal how they have implemented risk control measures. I would love to see that, of course. But if, if they can share that piece of information at some level, then you have a starting point to work on, on your side. So it should be beneficial, but if you don't get any pieces of documentation information out of them, I think it doesn't add any value to have the stamp on the web page saying we are 6234 compliant. I, I imagine also that those companies uh, can sell this kind of package also to because uh, this is also, as I've said, some work that they have done. So instead of just saying, yeah, I give that to you, I, they can maybe sell that directly. Have you seen this oh. kind of thing? Uh, I, I think though, when working with embedded software, you have a real-time operating system, which has been developed to be uh, for, for safety-critical uh, applications. And they do have, a, a, let's say, a validation package, which they ship together with the software. And again, it comes with a price tag. But yeah, exactly. on the other hand, you don't have to do the work. So it's you, you, you can leverage on it. Absolutely, you can do that. But if you don't get... Any so, piece of evidence of 6234 work, then it doesn't help really, in my opinion. Yeah, one other thing is that um, as you are uh, using a software of unknown provenance and you have done all this testing and verification, validation, etc., uh, is there requirements, per maybe IE 6234 or uh, any standards, to um, have a view of any changes or updates that are happening there that maybe you need to implement with your software. So is there some rules yeah. to say, yeah, if you are using a soup, you have to maintain some kind of uh, review, update, uh, check that there is a change, and then you have to uh, make this, this update also with your uh, software. Yeah, at least in, in uh, 6234, you have the maintenance plan or maintenance section. And the maintenance section also, I say, ask you to have some kind of regular, the pace is not defined, but at least monitoring changes because there could be anomalies, it's called bugs in the soup software, which could hit you. And I think this becomes even more important when you look at cybersecurity. So if you have uh, a soup software, which is kind of exposed to say cybersecurity challenges, then it becomes even more critical to monitor it because Sometimes you might just be happy with, you're, you're never happy with the bug, but you could accept it, it, it exists. But when it comes to cybersecurity, it's, it's, it can quickly become more critical because, well, evil persons can exploit and use your software to do bad things or even hijack the software. And that's, that's in, let's say, it's not new, but it's, it's, it's a change compared to when the standard was developed, I would say. So, the maintenance section IC6234 definitely requires you to have some kind of monitoring function to identify things that you need to consider. So is there um, 
so when you are when we are doing this uh, certification for for medical device or CE marking, um, I suppose the auditors will also check those those uh, standard IEC 6204, etc. Um, do you think? I mean, what what if you had had this experience before? So um, if an auditor is checking this part, so do you think they will find out that maybe the software, the suit that they are using is already uh, at version three and while the one they are they have is version one. So is this something that can create some problems and they, they really have to see that you are monitoring and doing those activities or no, they will not check that at all? Uh, I hope they will check and I've also seen some auditors doing that. Okay. So it, it, it might happen, uh, but 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 the piece of advice I, I don't think you need to upgrade each time there's a new release of a soup yeah but what you need to have you have need to have a documented statement and say we have reviewed the changes or the updates and we don't find a reason to upgrade right now because sometimes there's just a functionality growth and there might be bugs as well but you can probably assess the bugs and see well those will not have an impact on our product and then you can just leave it as is. So you don't need to feel pressure to always upgrade each time there is an upgrade. Just make a thorough assessment of the changes and see if they could add value to you or if they could, or if there are bugs which might contribute to problems in your existing software. So it's a really um, do a thorough assessment, document it, and stay with that conclusion. Then it's fine if in order to say that there's a new version. Yes, we know, but we have a uh, have, have made the conclusion that we stay with existing revision as is. No, which is exactly that. I mean, uh, having a proof that you have done the action and then you have decided to not take things and, and you know the risk or whatever and you have assessed that is, is great. I suppose if the change is due to cybersecurity thing, maybe here it's more tricky to say no, I will not take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, yes, because if, if there's if there's a new cybersecurity threat or or possibility to to exploit your software, then you should do the upgrade. Okay. Yes. Um, are there any other if I can say advice that uh, that we haven't talked today about uh, on soup that maybe those manufacturers or software developers have to understand or have to follow maybe you have seen some mistakes that people were doing and that uh, are maybe good to 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 warn here I, I think in general there's there's a confusion about firmware and software okay and I, I think that sometimes firmware is used as an as an escape route <laughs> for some products and to me firmware is just another name it could also be called embedded software okay and you could basically say that's the counterpart of sam software as medical device so firmware and embedded software are integral or developed for the purpose of being included in the software, uh, in, in dedicated hardware. Um, and sometimes I've seen people trying to purchase it, outsource the development of a piece of hardware, including software, and then they just fly under radar and say, this is perhaps soup software or something, or that the pretend the software doesn't exist at all. And that, that's a bad that's a bad move <laughs> because first of all, if you outsource uh, development of a piece of medical device, including software, then 6234 definitely applies to that software. Uh, if you would like to 
purchase off-the-shelf non-medical device hardware, including software? Well, then it's a different story because it's developed for a gener generic purpose, but it comes with a piece of software. It's still not a soup, and it might be hard and difficult to enforce 6234 compliance, but then I would suggest to go down the route with regular purchasing control and validating the software in that hardware. But it's no, still I not think... soup, but I've seen people trying to go down that route and call it soup in that, in that case. No, I think it's a good advice. And as we said, yeah, there are a lot of interpretation or way that people are trying to escape or to find a way to, to make it yes. uh, <laughs> compliant when it's not. But I suppose also that the auditors are now well-trained and understand this kind of thing and uh, will be warning them. So it's not something that they can just trick trick the auditors on that. They, they understand this kind of thing. So uh, be careful of, uh, of, of, yeah, maybe having some issues about that. Um, yeah. We talked about 62304. You talked also about 82304-1. So is what, what is the difference here? 82304 is uh, intended to be a product standard, a standalone software. So if you develop, it's 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 intended to be the counterpart if you if you're aware about IC 6601-1, which yeah. is product uh, product safety standard for hardware, basically including software, and 82304 dash one is, is the counterpart on the product standard level. So it, it defines high level requirements about how to develop a standalone software, SAMD. And, and then it points for the development part, it points to 62304. So you can say 82304 is on top and then below that it references 62304 for the development part. Okay, no, that's great. Um, okay, so um, thank you for all those information. I I hope now <laughs> Soup has no secret to our audience today. But yeah, if there is still some question, don't hesitate to ask uh, uh, on the comments. Um, mainly, uh, Christian, can you tell us more about uh, Medical Device HQ and how maybe people, uh, how you can help people, what why they should maybe contact you? I'm happy to do. So Medical Device HQ is an online platform for trainings. So you have find a lot of different online trainings on the at the Medical Device HQ website. And you also find a lot of free resources on our YouTube channel. So you can go to YouTube, search for Medical Device HQ, and you find a lot of free content there. And where you find me on the platform, I have two courses on software. So one mainly or only focusing on IC62304, and one which is a bit broader and is a SAMD software development online course. So Whenever it comes to medical advice trainings, we have a lot of resources to provide to you. Yeah, I, I saw that. And uh, really a lot, uh, not only on software, there was, uh, I saw some on usability or some uh, other elements. So yeah, just go and, and check what is maybe needed for you. Even my team is uh, training, is get, getting some training from Medical Device HQ. So it's uh, it's really great. So thanks for, for, awesome. for, for that. Um, okay, so um, people can, I suppose, um, contact you also directly on LinkedIn, on Absolutely. your website. Yes. Um, I will put everything on, on the show notes. And um, lastly, we discussed also about this topic of soup. So you have also some blog post also on your uh, on your uh, website and specifically maybe a blog post also on the soup so i will put that also on on the show notes but i suppose yeah for people uh, medical device hq is also a good source of information if you need to understand everything about uh, medical devices okay uh, great so 
Thank you, Christian. Thanks for, for your help. And I hope, yeah, really um, people have a, a great understanding of the suit now. And uh, if they have any questions, no, don't hesitate. Go to the show notes, go to uh, the, the, the comments also, and you'll see all the uh, details on how to contact us or how to contact Christian. So, Christian, thank you, and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.